0: Start with okay. the first question. Go for it. All right, <laughs> Jeffrey. Yes. We all know you. From, we all know you yes. from the podcast, newbie on Rails, and your public speaking. But who is Jeffrey Gosenbach really? That is a big question. It all started
1: when I was born at a very young age, and it progressed from there. You know, I don't try to put on much of a. Facade, except that I'm wearing a suit that I rarely ever wear and exactly. sunglasses that I rarely ever wear. But other than the, the uh, minor visual details, I try to just be truthful to who I am.
0: Who you are, and, and speaking of who you are, what is the origin of your, uh, uh, your your online name, Top Funky? Well, to be
1: honest, I was a first, a little bit worried when I rose to the level of micro celebrity to which I've achieved because I got Top Funky by reading in. Uh, what was that Cuban council? What's their blog? K10K. Okay. K- K10K. I think it's .dot net blog. It's this kind of pixel graphics blog, and they had. Uh, they they were doing a lot of cool stuff, even in like 2001 or something like that, with yeah. little JavaScript and interactivity on the page. And uh, at one point, they had a little thing. I think in their about box. And they said, you know, this guy uses a Dell and this other guy uses a top funky power book. And I thought, oh, that's a fun, you know, fun, fun adjective. And so domain it. name was free. It was just going to kind of be fun name, fun thing. But now that's the actual name of my company I'm incorporated for. So hopefully they don't sue me for <laughs> stealing their uh, their creative sure content.
0: Won't. Yeah. Um, so you, it, one time you were a school teacher... And you're a Pearl Hacker, so just tell us about how you got here, somewhere between your birth and uh, and now. Yeah, well, I've kind of been...
1: Probably like a lot of people, it's hard for me to remember like, the first time I used a computer. I know my mm-hmm. stepdad was a school teacher, and so he brought down an Apple E one time, Yeah. and he was in there, you know, opening manuals and trying to learn how to use this thing, and Two fl- you know big floppy disks and all this kind of stuff and right. so I kind of cut my teeth on that in fourth grade I was in this little program and got to learn basic a yeah. little TRS eighty save your program to a cassette tape when you're done and hopefully you can run it again the next day and anyway that progressed from there and out of uh, college did a little Java mm-hmm. wrote some kind of spider type bots before RSS to pull in okay. some information and aggregate some kind of like government contracting information for a company. So that was pretty interesting, you know, multi-threading and, you know, working with some web content, trying to parse yeah. web pages and stuff like that. Of course, something like h would have made it a lot easier. But uh, And then kind of after the dot-com boom in 2001 or whatever, got a job. At that time, I was kind of interested in Pearl, and there was a huge Pearl group in Seattle. They yeah. were, I think some insurance company had a huge auditorium, and they would have famous Pearl developers come in and give speeches. And I even okay. gave a few few speeches there. And uh, one thing led another, and it ended up being a technology coordinator at a American school in Taiwan, and and uh, eventually moved back to Seattle and. Got, in, got into this whole Ruby thing. Yeah. Kind of a funny roundabout with all that is I did end up going back to the Pearl group and talking about Ruby on Rails. Yeah. I just wrote them up and they were like, oh yeah, come talk to it. It was like eight people left and most of them were there to hear about Rails and hear yeah. about Ruby. So, So did they receive kind you of back sad, but
0: with open arms or was there some grumbling?
1: They... They were glad to have me there, but you could tell that they were all—the kind of wind had gone out of the sails of, of yeah. the Pearl community. At least in Seattle, you know, many people are still using Pearl and yeah. and doing things with it. But at least in that that group, it had, was not what it had been at one point.
0: Although well, they will always be able to write Pearl and Klingon, and we don't quite have that yet.
1: Exactly. I did see a, a lecture by Damien Conway, famous Australian Pearl developer, and. He did this talk about like all of his shell shortcuts and stuff like that, yeah. and like, you know, two thirds of the the shell shortcuts I use are just straight out of his playbook. Yeah. Really useful stuff.
0: Yeah. So you've published a lot of stuff like that about your workflow, the shell shortcuts you use. Um, you published a great article on the custom uh, textile filter you use. Uh, what What motivates you to publish that sort of stuff? Like a uh, What's the, re- yeah, what's the background on that? Well, you know, I didn't really pick up
1: any kind of blogging until 2004, 2005 or something like that. So mm-hmm. I was pretty late to that game. But I think somehow the first article that I threw up on Newbie on Rails got linked to from the actual Rails blog. And <laughs> I don't know how they even found it. I think somehow the Projectionist guys or something, mm-hmm. I wrote a little bit thing about sparklines and and I guess they thought it was interesting so that was kind of initially very motivating to keep yeah. keep doing it because I would see that people were actually reading it and I think that's probably mo- motivation for a lot of open source developers is yeah. yes they like doing it but also other people are are using it and find it useful and, and find it interesting and to be honest then it's helped to for me be able to promote keep code and and uh, make a business out of it and keep keep publishing that content as well.
0: Yeah. So so you mentioned the Seattle Pearl Group, but I think most people are kind of curious, what is it like to attend a meeting of the, uh, the epic seattle.rb? What's that like?
1: Well, the very first time I attended was a little bit intimidating because we met at one of the Amazon headquarters and it was this huge, long conference table... And at the end of it was Ryan Davis in a black T-shirt. <laughs> I felt like Han Solo walking into the Cloud City and seeing Darth Vader at the end of the table. Nice. And, you know, there was an important moment right there where I could have just turned tail and ran, and I would have never met Adam Keyes. But fortunately I stayed, and Ryan, Ryan Davis turned out to be uh, not too bad of a guy. Pretty nice guy once you meet, meet him in person. Indeed. A little bit scary on the Internet, but... Uh, from there, you know, I think it's almost more true to the group that we just meet in a coffee shop and, you know, you just come in, there's no lecture, there's nothing organized, you just sit down, you may, some people show up, have their head down and work on some project and leave yeah. two hours later and some people will chat with with another friend about something or start up a project or whatever happens.
0: And what, what, what do you think is the, the root of the extraordinary productivity of seattle.rb is it in the water
1: i have no idea i know that uh winston wilson bilkovich whenever he comes to seattle he always just spends his entire time at that coffee shop because he feels like that is the best coffee shop in north america the proprietor actually roast his own beans has this highly technical roasting process where there's only like a 0.5 degree variation for the entire duration of the, the beans being roasted and so enterprise it may beans. be just Enter- Enter- enterprise
0: beans that's 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 good stuff so peep code tell us about how did you come to do that and maybe explain it in case someone listening to this found an ipod on the street and doesn't have internet access yeah, Peep Code is just uh, some screencasts about an hour
1: long where I try to dig into a topic, often a topic that I don't really know that well, mm-hmm. but I'm learning, and usually I'll have a, a technical consultant who will correct me and, and to make sure that information is accurate in the end. Yeah. But, and then, uh, you know, ways to learn Rails, get a little bit of j- JavaScript, and, of course, branching out in some other areas. But where did I get the idea? You know, I guess in the early days of Rails, Hannemeyer Hansen was doing some screencasts, and yeah. that made it popular. Even previous to that, I'd sent out screencasts to my clients, mm-hmm. showing them how to use different parts of the custom site that I'd written for them or whatever. So that, that was something definitely I was interested in. And, you know, threw, threw up a screencast on a, a blog said, hey, 9 bucks. Yeah. would anybody be willing to pay for this kind of thing? If yeah. they did, could I spend more of my time making these? And turns out people love it. They uh, give me a lot of great support, and I'm doing it full time.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I, and I love the peep codes. Yeah, it fantastic. is a funny thing.
1: The original, you know, I kind of brainstormed a lot of different names. Yeah. And originally I wanted code peep. I don't know why, but the domain name was taken, so that, well, I'll I'll switch it around. Peepcode, much better choice. I don't know why I didn't go with that to begin with, but I'm glad that's what I ended up with.
0: I I had bought that domain (laughs) for you so that you could use the better name. The the soft guiding hand. Thank you. What's the future of Peepcode? What's coming up? What's in the pipeline, you know? upcoming screencasts and PDFs PDFs and uh, anything else you might be branching out into?
1: You know, I started out I was just going to be me only and it was just going to be screencasts. I started doing PDFs as well and built together this workflow that a lot of other authors now have have used. Uh, Ryan Daigle writing about Rails 2 and Scott Chacon writing about Git and all this kind of stuff. So I definitely have a probably almost a dozen authors working on different PDF projects and I'm starting to have more people work, starting to work on some screencast projects as well. So definitely going to stay close to the Rails related topics, but hoping to branch out a little bit into, uh, you know, maybe some general CSS and design type issues as well that would be useful to, to developers and, yeah. and to designers as well.
0: So you have a, a really great... A beautifully designed weblog in, in addition to the peep code site and the, and the Ruby on Rails podcast site and, and I've noticed that you, you you went to a topography conference and you're you're, sort, you're very uh, Renaissance man about this so how, how did you get into that visual design stuff, and how does that affect your development style
1: Yeah, I do feel like that's kind of a, an area where I do like to just be kind of right in the middle of coding and, and design and, and visual graphics. I remember growing up, my mom was into calligraphy, and from a young age, I remembered her just practicing her different letters and stuff like that. Yeah. Thinking that that looked really cool, maybe I'd like to do that someday. Well, I haven't. I, I can't do any kind of calligraphy, but <laughs> it probably did make me appreciate different elements of graphic design and, yeah. and visual presentation like that.
0: What about and how does that uh, feed into the the way um, you write code? Well, I think.
1: An obvious thing is that the output of a lot of that is ends up being uh, some dynamic graphics. Admittedly, a lot of those are part of the administrative face of peep yeah. code that I look at every day and other people don't see. And But, you know, I've got some other ideas where I'd, I'd like to, to wrap in kind of gra- graphical and programmatic yeah. things all together. I think in the Rails and the Ruby community in general there's a real appreciation for a certain aesthetic in code which is probably what what led me to to Ruby at least a little bit I did one of the most memorable first few times in the Seattle Ruby Brigade was watching someone present some code and you know big Ryan Davis looks like a huge ninja he said that's pretty so I said I guess this is a community I could be part of
0: exactly I mean I find I find that just looking at code, there are times when I say this is this is ugly. Um, is it? So, is, is there any kind of any anything specific about Ruby that you found, or in building Rails apps, where that that aesthetic um, gave you better code? Wow, I do love the Hamel templates. Yeah.
1: to me I feel like that just kind of clears away a lot of the cruft and helps me just to not have to think about angle brackets and yeah. type two of those for every tag uh-huh. yes I could use a textmate snippet but uh, so I think that's maybe one practical way um, beyond that you know it's kind of hard to, to make a direct direct correlation I guess a good thing is that Rails is very flexible so if you want to do graphical stuff it's easy to to get there
0: yeah so you're a bit of a world traveler i believe you've done training uh you know ruby and rails training and and a lot of different places so how did you get into that and like uh what's some of the more more interesting places and uh training sorts of stuff you've done
1: yeah i've got to give props to uh hansen one of the first things i did they had actually asked him to go to London and teach this Rails workshop and uh-huh. for whatever reason he didn't want to do it and so he said hey why don't you go talk to Jeffrey Grossenbach and at that point I don't know if I'd even done any workshops at all and fortunately went out there and and did that, kind of cut my teeth on that, yeah. so been back to London a couple times definitely going to Sydney, Australia was a huge deal, that was a lot of fun and surprisingly Australia is like the third or fourth largest purchaser of peep code really? you know i have a little country breakdown it's like you know united states canada uk yeah. and then australia you know maybe english language or whatever but you know there it seems like there's some european countries that you would think would be bigger so yeah. going down to australia was great I have a lot of friends there and fortunately, they, seem the, the they really could understand great,
0: uh, technology community especially rails
1: Oh, yeah, and they've even got some great conferences and their Rails camps and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So so get some of your opinions here. What do you think are the are the important next steps for the Ruby language?
1: You know, I think it's baffling just looking at all the different virtual machines that people are working on. The fact is most developers are happy with the Ruby language as is. Nobody's saying, you know, we need objects that work better or... yeah necessarily different kind of syntax as far as i've been able to hear from the things that i've been read that i've been reading people love the ruby language as it is and it's more just the the guts underneath and the kinds of things that that could make an make possible if rubinius can give us a little bit more introspection into the classes and objects and the vm itself right and if Something like Maglev is going to give us access to these amazing object database stores. I yeah. think it's going to be pretty impressive. So that those are the kinds of things I'm looking forward to.
0: Awesome. uh and what about Rails? What do you think is big in the future of Rails? You know, at one point I thought Rails was really going
1: to kind of shrink down, and there was going to be less and less, and that it was it was going to just be this real small core, maybe kind of the way that that Merb has gone. Uh-huh. A little bit, and definitely they 've kept enhancing it with very useful things and somehow, from causes' talk this morning, they've been able to even speed up rails, so maybe that 's yeah. not a bad thing to have have more features like this um, you know one in one aspect i'd love to see a lot more kind of desktop interaction i 'm mm-hmm. interested in trying out some building some iphone apps and can those communicate with rails in a in a really productive way but to be honest you know most of that is already there and it's just maybe serializing in in a different way to get that information back and forth so i think the hard, hard to think of one specific thing that would really be great it's more maybe just all the ways that i want to use rails with with different desktop or mobile apps
0: yeah that's yeah i think that's a big deal uh the hybrid desk desktop web apps uh so what what's got your attention outside of uh ruby like you know beyond the ruby and the rails what are you excited about and looking into
1: well if you want to go way way out beyond uh, technology at all about the last six months been playing the double bass big yeah. five foot tall uh wooden instrument barely fits in the back of my station wagon and
0: it is tricky that's I used to been play double bass as well you did okay you yeah can...
1: and fortunately i've got a great teacher and a couple other people in a workshop i'm i'm doing to to learn that and it's surprising how many of those concepts will benefit me in the programming area or at least interchange yeah surprisingly yeah. you know i doubt that my bass teacher reads 37 signals but He'll talk about the constraints of staying within a certain scale or, yeah. or within certain notes or, or pulling back to, to less with playing fewer notes more expressively and that yeah. kind of thing. So it's fun to, to get out of the technological area at all and, and be able to s- still kind of see that some of those truths still be useful.
0: Yeah, the double pace is especially interesting for constraints because, you know, it's, it's a very large instrument and the strings don't want to move. Yep. And so you really have to play less and uh, conserve your energy, and stuff like that. So, so the last two just kind of human interest questions. This one's for the ladies, although I know you're a married man, so they'll have to restrain themselves. Uh, you're 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 pro- po- definitely the only programmer here in a three-piece suit, um, and you may be the only person here in a three-piece suit looking quite dapper. If I do say so myself, what? Talk us through that.
1: Well, you know, I like to stand out, and probably immediately, practically, I had to buy this suit for my wife's brother's wedding a year ago, so I feel like I should get some use out of it. But I like to dress up from time to time. I used to occasionally sport the bow tie, and even in high school, yeah, that's a little, uh, little too frivolous for me at this point in my life, but. I do like to dress up and, and finally found some good shirts that actually, you know, long enough for my arms, yeah. fit nicely around the torso. Mm-hmm. When you feel good, you can be confident, and uh, that's what I need.
0: Yeah, for, the, for those of you out there in podcast land, he really does look like a, a hacker, uh, Christian Bale. He's, a, <laughs> he's quite striking. So. I, won't,
1: I won't tell you whether or not I'm also Batman. <laughs>
0: Or, and he's also going to be the Terminator guy, John Connor. So, finally, if you could retire and do whatever you want tomorrow, and, you know, you didn't necessarily have to code or do peep codes, you know, even though you enjoy those, um, what would you do?
1: You know, I tell everybody, I feel like I've got the best job in the world. Um, Love what I'm doing. It's a lot of fun. I probably would love to study... a study the double bass a little bit more I probably would continue to travel there are a lot of different cities and countries I'd love to, love to go to, never been to South America mm-hmm. I'd love to go to like to Istanbul and uh, some of the other Middle Eastern countries like that seem really interesting to me um, I'd probably like to get a little bit into to video put together some kind of documentary or yeah. some kind of journalistic documentary type event like that whatever it is i really enjoy having some kind of a product to where at the end of a certain period of time i can point to something and say yeah that's what i did and and it's it's done so i think it would have even if it was just in my free time or leisure time i would probably still have to be doing something creative and in some kind of product
0: yeah yeah i think that kind of ties the whole ruby and rails community together we're all very much people want to be able to at the end of the day point at something and say i did that so well thanks for uh letting me interview you and uh goodbye people in podcast land thanks